Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. All right, so Luke chapter 15. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. Parable of the lost sheep. And I'm reading from the NLT. Yours might vary a little bit. Well, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Let it be the the nourishment, let it be the bread of life that nourishes our inner being. Father, let it, let it just penetrate our hearts and our minds, Father, causing us to, to grasp that new life in fresh revelation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So, if you've been around a while, this is probably a familiar parable, a familiar story. Um, and uh, it was kind of interesting because um, everyone knows it as the leaving the 99, you know, to go get the one. And, and I find it interesting because I'm reading the Bible and the first thing it says is, is that the shepherd has 100 sheep. And I wasn't expecting to read 100. In my head, it's 99 and 1, right? It's 99 and 1 and it says 100 and, and, and that threw me. And, and so... Um, so oftentimes we, we have an idea of what's in Scripture and we get familiar with it. Um, and it's often these little things that jump out of the text at me. And, and maybe I just think a little bit differently. But, but I look at this and I see Jesus as the, the Savior and the Good Shepherd and how he, he is diligent to go after and pursue the one. He's diligent to go find the one who has wandered off. And we all see that as this story of of Jesus pursuing that one, and we often recognize ourselves as being that one who was lost. But the time I read through it this time, I really focused on the 99. Because in, in, in the story, we hear that, that he leaves the 99 in the wilderness, and some translations say in the open spaces. The point is, he leaves 99. The shepherd, who is there to protect the sheep, leaves the 99 in pursuit of this one who has wandered off. And that doesn't make sense to me on the surface. And so, so why is it that, that one sheep is so valuable? And I think the message is that in, in Jesus' eyes, every sheep is valuable. But why is it that he can leave the 99 exposed, exposed to the enemy, exposed to the predator, exposed to um, all the hazards that surround these sheep? And that, and that bothered me a little bit. And so, and so as I'm reading about this, we, we get no explanation in the text. There's no explanation of the 99, other than it says they're righteous and they haven't strayed away. Is it 99 good sheep, good and perfect sheep? 
Well, I, I, I can't see myself being good and perfect. I can see striving that way. I, I can see pursuing that. But I wouldn't count myself as one of those righteous and perfect sheep. And, and even if they are, is it okay to leave them exposed to the enemy? It just, on the surface, just really challenged me. And I'm like, what is it about these sheep? Why is it okay? And so I spent the last couple days really digging into sheep, of all things. Yeah, it's biblical. They're in there. And I found out some very interesting thing about sheep. In the world today, there's more than a billion sheep wandering the planet. It is the most grazed flock animal in the world, is sheep. In Scripture, it is the most mentioned animal in Scripture. It is, the sheep are mentioned over 500 times in Scripture. And so I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but it seems like sheep's pretty important to the text. And so we, we dig in and we, we find out, okay, wh- what is it about these sheep? And so if we look at the history in the Bible, we see that sheep and shepherding are some of the oldest professions all the way back to Abel. And so if you remember Cain and Abel, they were the sons of um, Adam. And one of them is mentioned as being a shepherder or a herdsman. And, and so it goes all the way back to the very beginning or nearly the very beginning where we see shepherds throughout the text. And then as you, as you read on, you find out that the, the fathers of the faith, if you will, Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And even Christ is called the good shepherd. Now, it's interesting to note that that historically, the founders of the faith, the fathers of the faith, all those I just mentioned, the, the Abraham and the Moses and the David, were all shepherds. And shepherding was considered a profitable job. It, it, they were looked at. Shepherds were rich. They had hills full of these animals. And that's how wealth was measured at one time. And they were seen as like the CEOs and the executives of the world when shepherding was was the thing. That's, that's how you measured your wealth, was the size of your herd. But by the time it gets to Christ's day, shepherds are actually looked down upon. They're considered just one rung above maybe the garbage men because they spend time out in the fields with the sheep and they come into the, the city with them and they're a little smelly. Because you see, by this time in, in Roman periods, you have to remember in Rome, you had hot water baths. You had running water in the cities. You had flushing toilets. So in, in all aspects, it was very modern come Roman times, and that's the times that Jesus lived. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that, and we, and we think about Christians, and we think about Israel, and we think about it being this semi-arid desert uh, land, and it is. But when you get into the city, it was very much an industrial metropolis. It would be akin to us going to, you know, a Chicago or something like that to go into one of these major Roman cities. There was a market. There was a main street. You had all this infrastructure. You had fresh water that they piped in. You had sewer that was piped out. You had services of garbage. You had criers that would share the news on the corners. You had legal systems. You had law. You had all of these things. So, so the idea that, that 
Mary and Joseph just wandered off through these desert, arid places and only went to these small villages. We have to kind of break that and get that out of our mind. They went into the cities, into what we could call modern cities. And it seems like a shame to me that the fathers of the faith and the importance of shepherding at that time would have been frowned upon by the Pharisees who, who wear their nice robes and, and everything is tucked and just so. And they were very much into the, the knowing the scriptures in their mind, but I don't think ever sinking really into their heart. And they followed this ceremony and they, 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 you know, Jesus was critical of them for not really having it in their heart. And he challenged them over and over again. In fact, this whole text here in Luke 15 is, is a rebuke to the Pharisees who had come to criticize the fact that Jesus was eating dinner, was, was uh, conversating with some of these lower people in society that they didn't feel like they should be near. That, that they felt would defile them, that would get them dirty, that they couldn't stand because they smelled a little different, maybe acted a little different. And so, so Jesus rebukes them with this story, one of many stories. But back, back to the sheep. So shepherding was a, was a, has a long history throughout the text, um, was an acclaimed role that, that by the time Jesus came is a fairly lowly role in society. Now, sheep... provide meat, it provides the wool for clothing and uh, rugs and tapestries, I don't know what they did all with it, but it provided the wool, and the sheep also provided the sacrifice. And so the sheep were very important to the society, they were very important to the Jewish customs of the time, but sheep are not necessarily smart animals. Um, Depending on who you ask, um, sheep were considered some of the dumbest animals um, because they're, they're fairly simple. Sheep graze. And to graze, they find a grassy spot, they put their head down, and they eat. And then they, they follow the spot over here and over here, and they just keep their head down and just eat and munch. And they do this all day long. They're just grazers eating at the grass. Now, sheep are social animals. Sheep like to be in flocks. Sheep like to be led, and it only takes one sheep to move, and the others begin to follow. Now, that doesn't always happen, but they like to, to be in packs. They like to, to be close to other sheep. They like to uh, um, follow and be with one another. But sheep also have a propensity to wander off. Just like the lost sheep in the text, sheep have a propensity to, to wander off. And they do it for a number of reasons. Some of them are just looking for greener pastures. They're just looking for greener grass. They, they, they go in this first spot, and they chew it all up, and it's all done, and then they, they just follow it over here. Here's some green, and oh, I, oh, there's some, and they just keep moving, not really paying attention to, to what they're walking away from or where they're walking. In fact, it's even been said that, that some sheep will, will pay so little attention to where they're going that they'll actually walk off cliffs. And some of the other ones who are following will follow that leader off the cliff. So, so sheep are, are not necessarily smart animals, and they wander off looking for greener pastures. Sometimes they wander off because they're sick. 
because they're sick. They, they don't want to be around the herd. They don't feel well. Maybe they're shunned by the herd because they're sick or what have you. Now, if you've ever seen a young sheep or a young goat, Cindy, you'll also know that, that especially when they're young, sheep can't go in straight lines. Those little sheep, just like the little goats, will hop around, and their back end might be in front of them. And, and they're cute as can be when we see them. But in the reality, when they're out in a field, and, and, and there's predators around and all of that kind of thing, them staying with the herd becomes challenging. Well, the sheep can also get distracted. And that distraction can, can come from something they want to go see, or it can come from the fact that a predator has entered, and now they're scared. But the sheep wander off for a multitude of reasons. And the other thing about sheep is that they're basically defenseless. Sheep are these relatively slow animals. They don't have big, angry teeth. They don't have a loud, intimidating roar. They don't have claws. And only the males have horns. And I thought this was interesting because anytime I see a separation in males and, and it stood out to me in this text, the males have horns. And if you watch sheep and goats, what do they do with the horns? Well, they'll come and they'll butt against somebody, right? Each other or, or whatever. And so, again, I think the text is pretty clear that the males are hard-headed. I think that is still true today. Of all males in general, I'm just going to admit to that one. But the, the sheep are basically defenseless, relatively small animals. And, and, and the predators that are out there, if you think about, about David and the story he tells before he goes and fights Goliath, he talks about how he's faced lions and bears. And these are the predators that are going after the sheep, at least in biblical times. This is what David was reporting. And th this was the role of the shepherd was to protect these sheep from these predators. And David did this very, very well. So the sheep are dependent on the shepherd to provide safety for them. The, the shepherd also leads them to the green pastures where they're safe. He also leads them, as the text says in, in Psalm 23, he leads them to the still waters. And, and so the, the shepherd really does care for the sheep, and the sheep really need the shepherd. And so if we look at the text a little closer here in Psalms 100, verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We are all like sheep. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, and this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So I think the text is pretty clear that people can be symbolized by sheep. And like sheep, people have a lot of the same issues sheep do. You see, because people like to look for greener pastures. People like to say, oh, my, my job is not fulfilling. I'm, I'm not, not moving up. I, I'm, I'm not paid enough. I'm not recognized enough. I'm not. But if I go over there, if I go over there, I, I know that grass is greener over there. Right? I, 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 
we, we live in this little town and, and nothing's convenient and we, we, you know, everything takes extra. But if we go over there, things will be better. And we like to do this all throughout our life. And, and people are, are prone to looking for that green pasture. They're prone to believing that, that even over there, when, when we don't even know what's on the other side of the hill, but we just believe that it's going to be better. We have heard through the grapevine, through, through some source, that it's going to be better. And we're apt to believe that, and we're apt to wander off from what we know, and we're apt to wander off from the safety of the shepherd. We're apt to wander off and go find out if it really is greener over there. And so people are grazers too, and always looking for that greener pasture. You know, and sometimes, sometimes that greener pasture comes in the shape of a job or career recognition. Sometimes it's just stuff, Right? I remember growing up, we had a 19-inch television. And that was what everyone had, was a 19-inch television. And we were excited to have it. And as it got a little older, you had to give it a little bump on the side to get it to tune in just right. But then you get a little, little more in time now, there's a 21-inch TV. And it's like, oh, man, we got, we got to get the 21-inch TV. This 19-inch isn't cutting it anymore. And you go forward a little more, now you got the, the big projection TVs that were like three foot thick. Y'all remember those? You got one. <laughs> yeah. So then you, then you had to have those, and you had to have three guys to carry it in the house, you know? Well, nowadays, we've got like, you know, I don't even know. I don't, it's a contest every year at the electronic show to see who can make the biggest TV, right? And now, now they're 10 foot across, they're as big as the screen behind me, you know? And it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know that TV is that important, you know, but that's just me. But we're always pursuing something else, right? Something else has always got our attention, always keeping us distracted. And we're always after that, that latest gadget, that newest thing. And we're not satisfied with, with what we have. And you know what? Sometimes we're not satisfied in church. How many of y'all have heard this or said this? It's too loud of... Someone else says, I can't hear them. It's too hot. Someone else says, it's too cold. We're not doing enough in the community. We're staying too busy at church. There always seems to be some, someone who, who's got an opinion one way or the other. The sermons are too long, and I'm not learning enough. Right? I, I, I don't like the music. I can't get enough. It seems like there's, there's always this, this competition, there's always this dissatisfaction that we let will creep in. And so, and so that, that breeds discontentment, and it gets us eyes off of the reason we're here and onto looking for that greener pasture. And so people, people wander off for a multitude of reasons. And some, some wander off because they're young. And much like the young sheep that hasn't quite found his way, we can get that young believer in here. And if we're not careful, they'll get the wrong impression. If we're not careful, they won't feel welcome. Because, you know, those young believers, they're going to come in here and they, they might not dress just so. And they might not speak just so. And they might not act just so. And if we're not careful... They're not going to feel welcome in our flock. They're not going to feel welcome as we gather. And so they might go looking 
for another flock, another green pasture, somewhere else where they are going to be taken in. And so we got to be careful with the young, and we got to make sure that, that we, we bring them in and we raise them up. And we have to, to have it made up in our mind and in our heart that those little things that, that they're going to pull in from the world where they hadn't got completely washed and cleansed of all those things, that we're going to tolerate some of that, and we're going to love them and teach them, and we're going to let the Lord through us, in love, purify and correct them. But we're going to make them feel welcome as we do that. And there's a good and proper way to do that. And then people also wander off because they're sick. Sometimes people get into some things that they shouldn't. And from a people standpoint, we call that sin. And just like the, the sheep that will go and eat too much or it gets into a weedy patch and suddenly its stomach gets upset and it knows it got into something that, that it shouldn't have and it feels sick inside and suddenly that sheep doesn't want to be around all the others that are, that are moving and that are shaking and all that kind of stuff because they just don't feel the energy. They don't feel they, they have this sickness that comes in with them. You see, sin, sin has a couple cousins it likes to bring in. It likes to bring in shame. It likes to bring in embarrassment. And these are all weighty things that people feel. And if they're not received by the flock, if they're not loved in, if we don't correct them in love, and allow them time to, to get rid of these things. See, a sheep and goat, if you farm them, and Sydney will back me up on this, I'm certain, is that they get a little upset stomach, and they start to get bloated. And they start to get uncomfortable. And they start to get annoyed. And if that's happening to people, we're probably not going to want to be around those people. But all those things are signs that they're sick. Signs that something is wrong. And rather than shun them and put them out, for the sheep, we, we bring them in, and we give them baking soda, and that helps relieve some of that bloating and some of that feeling they have inside. See, there's a medicine that we can give them, and the medicine that you and I can give is the love of the Father. We, we can go to someone who's feeling sick, who's got sin and shame and all that heaped on them, and they're feeling the weight of the world and the conviction of all that stuff on them. And yes, they need to lay it down. Yes, it needs to become part of their testimony. It needs to become part of their history. But just because they're sick doesn't mean that we can separate them. And so, and so the shame and embarrassment, we have to work off them and we have to do it in love. All of these things, all of this wandering, all lead to the same condition. Because by the time you realize that you have suffered from these things, if you're not careful, you have wandered off. And when you finally have the strength to pick up your head and look around, the flock's nowhere in sight. The shepherd is nowhere in sight. But thank God. But thank God it says that the shepherd will, will find his sheep. See, the shepherd's not going to quit. We might be separated for a season. We might, might be just over the hill and we raise our eyes and we can't see anything but the world around us. And when we feel like, like, like we're all alone, we realize one thing. 
that we are in danger. We're in danger because now that predator has managed to separate one of our sheep, one of our family, one of our friends, one of our people. And now that sheep doesn't have the herd to rely on. And that predator can take a singular focus on that one sheep. And that predator will watch that sheep and study that sheep, see its patterns, see its weakness, and he will know just the right time to pounce on that sheep. But thank God, the shepherd notices that he has lost a sheep. Thank God that the shepherd knows that that even though the 99 might be there, he recognizes that one is gone. Now, in reality, if you had a flock of 100 sheep, it would be challenging to look out across the field and notice that one is missing. (laughs) But it says the shepherd knows the sheep. And the shepherd will, especially at night, create a, a sheepfold around the sheep. What does that mean? That, that's basically an enclosure. And some of these enclosures, uh, there's some more permanent ones and there's some temporary ones. A lot of times they're just sticks that are stuck in the ground and they build them up and they put thorns on top and they usher the sheep in at night. And that wall helps the shepherd keep watch through the night. And the thorns ensure that the predator stays out. And the shepherd will go to the opening of that, that pen, that enclosure. And that shepherd lays across that opening. Because he won't let the enemy in without him knowing it. Now, he doesn't say the enemy won't come and the enemy won't try. But when you're, when you're secured in the pen with the sheep under the careful eye of the shepherd, no harm is going to come at you that isn't coming through the shepherd first. So while you might lift your head and not see the shepherd anywhere, what you need to do if you're a lost sheep is stop. Because if you're still wandering, you're still moving, You don't know whether you're moving towards or away. You've lost your direction. But if you'll just stop, lift up your head, perk up your ears, open your eyes, scan the horizon, you'll hear him calling from the other side of the hill. You'll hear him calling through the fog. And if you'll wait, the scripture says he will come and he will find you. And he will pick you up. Because you're probably exhausted, you're probably scared, life has become overwhelming, and it says he'll put you on his shoulder and carry you back. So the shepherd will find you. He will take you back. He will take every wound and pour oil on the wound, and and, and like a salve, a, a soothing salve, he will cover all those. He will bandage every hurt and every wound. Because he wants to see you whole and healthy. But what about the 99? We know the one. But what about the 99? 
What about the predators that comes after the flock? Are they in danger? Scripture doesn't say. Scripture says that, that as flocks of people, they're righteous and don't need saving. And we can rationalize that to mean that, that you know what, if we are taken, if the predator gets us and we're consumed, well, praise God, we get to go be with him. But if you study the sheep, the sheep and the flock, there's safety in numbers. There's safety in numbers. You see, when a flock of sheep faces a threat, they gather together. And I think there's a picture here of the church that I'm going to unfold before you that I think we really need to look at. But you see, the sheep gather together. And they move the weak and the young the middle. They move them to the middle and the strongest move to the outside and they move together. They move together because they, 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 they don't have the strength to defeat the lion. They don't have the strength to defeat the bear. But if they move together, they seem intimidating they seem overwhelming, and if they need to, sheep have been known to trample and kill. I'm moving together. You see, because the, the predator wants to come in, and he wants to, uh, as the scripture said, he wants to, wants to scatter the sheep. And the reason he wants to scatter the sheep is because once they're scattered, once one is isolated, then it's an easy prey. And so we have to be on guard as a church, as, as the lamb of God, as, as the, the, the sheep of, of, of the good shepherd. As we gather in here, as, as other church families gather we need to ensure that the predator doesn't, doesn't allow, we don't allow space for the predator to come in and separate and isolate. Because that isolation comes right before destruction. And I know in this house, we've started something here in the last couple months where we've got a team that's dedicated now that as they look around and people are absent, that we're reaching out and saying, hey, just want to check on you. I want to let you know you're welcome back here at this flock. We just want to make sure, is there anything we can do? How can we love you? How can we meet your needs? How can we just be the hand of God in your life? So stand with me, I'm closing.
So the other thing about the predator and the flock of sheep is that he can't attack every side at once. And for us, that means that, that he can't attack all of us at the same time. And if you've been around any time at all, you'll know that, that sometimes people get down. Sometimes they're burdened by whatever, a multitude of things. And at the same time, other people are up and they've been elevated and encouraged. And as a family of God and as a small flock, if you will, of his sheep, we need to, as a family, be able to recognize that. We need to rally around the youngest and the weakest and move them to the middle. And we can agree that, that, that the challenge is out there. The predator's come. He's trying to pull you away. But I'm not going to let you go. I love you too much to let you go out there on your own. I love you too much to let you go have thoughts about not being welcome. I love you too much to let you go and just get lost in thought and let those, those dark thoughts creep in and let you read into just every situation the worst. I want to come to you and say plainly, I love you. Let me fight the battle with you. Let's link arms and pray together. Let's go gather the family. And let's raise up prayers to heaven. Let's fill the room with petition and see what the Father will do. So the cool thing is, you can go on the internet. And I just got lost watching these videos. I thought they were fantastic. People want to test, do the sheep know the shepherd's voice? And there are, there are countless videos you can watch. And I'll just highlight one. And I think it was maybe a high school group. And they had three different people from the group go up to this fence. Here, sheepy, 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 or whatever they were saying. <laughs> they were in the Netherlands, so it wasn't that. It was something different. But the farmer told them what he says to the sheep. And they used the same language. But it wasn't the shepherd's voice. And so three different times... These poor, embarrassed little high schoolers go up to this fence and yell at the sheep. And you know what? You can see the sheep scattered on the hillside behind them. Not a one even lifted its head. Three different people come down, say the same thing. Not a one lifted its head. They're just busy. Munching. Munching. The farmer goes up. Yodelehu! Or whatever he says. And immediately, like three of them, poke their head up. Not sure yet what to do, but he's got their attention. And then he says it again. And those three sheep are joined by like five others. And now those first few are starting to move towards the fence. And as they move, it gets the attention of those around them. And before you know, the sheep are not just walking 
they are running to the shepherd. And they're calling out to him, ah. And you know, when you think about that and you think about, about us being the, the flock of the good shepherd and responding to his voice, and Ken said something earlier, us hard-headed guys, right? The Lord says, stop, turn around, get that guy. And what do we do? Uh, Lord, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I got time. No, stop, go get him. And so much like the sheep, we don't immediately respond. Sometimes the Lord has to tell us two and three times. And he might have to tell us two or three different ways. But when we know his voice and we know his call, come running, come running, come running, come running. We have a good shepherd. John chapter 10. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And good isn't just like, you know, adequate, you know, decent, good, better than average. Good in that sense means whole. It means complete. It means he is a shepherd who has it all together. And he wants to gather his sheep and bandage every wound, lead them to green pastures, pour the oil in their cup until it runs over. Y'all, this morning I was trying to figure out how to fit it in. But Psalms 23, I couldn't figure it out, but I'm going to read it. Y'all are probably familiar. Y'all read along. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is nothing that the Lord can't put into your life that you need. He can supply every need in your life. And when you grow content in him, when you grow complete in him, you'll have need and want of nothing more. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep only lie down when they feel safe and content. If you're struggling to feel safe and content in a world that is out to separate you and destroy you, then draw close to the shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's not doing it for you. He's doing it for him. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, the same thing he uses to fight off the lion and the bear and every other calamity that would come your way. You can look at that and say, that is a comfort to me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord loves all the little sheep. 
and recognizes that us alone are not adequate to face the prince of this world without a shepherd. And that we need him. We need him. And in the worst times, when things are tough, when things get scary, when you feel the pressure of this world and all you want to do is run, run to the middle. Run to the middle. And let your family surround you. Let those that are encouraged and strengthened in this hour be your strength. Lean on them. And draw close to the shepherd. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.